If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be a character-defining learning experience, which is the dad way of saying not a failure. It's going to make them squish crap. (laughs) Their pants. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Moving on. In this episode, we find some answers to what can a player do to make failure more satisfying? And how does a DM make sure to plot failure and success options in their game? And how to play out failures on both the player and the DM side. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. Uh, I'm Jordan. I'm Travis. <laughs> I'm his brother. Stop stepping on my my line. Who knows what goes where? So I just witnessed the weirdest shit in the world. And to give you a little peek behind the, the curtain here, Jordan has five, I count, one, two, three, four, five, uh, vessels of liquid, which I'm not sure how he's not pissing his pants currently. I need options. You, oh, no, let's recount the options here. <laughs> uh, you've got water. You've got a cup of coffee. Yep. You have a bubbly fizzy water. And mm-hmm. then you have a wild blonde Lil Pip ale. Yeah. And then another glass of water. So you've got two glasses of water, beer. <laughs> got my caffeine. More water, caffeine. Got my uppers, my downers. And the weirdest shit that I ever saw was you trying to drink from the carbonated water and from the blonde ale, two cans exactly at the same time. Kind of like seeing if I could create a grapefruit blonde ale. Yeah. (laughs) Lighten lighten things up a little. When I said, what the actual fuck are you doing? That is going to end horribly. What was your response? I have to fail on my terms. (laughs) Which... Is is very core to our episode topic today. Yeah, I was inspired. <laughs> well, and it didn't end well. I barely dribbled. <laughs> I mean, the flavor was bad. I'll admit that. <laughs> it's a failed experiment. In previous episodes, we talked about failure, just really what that meant on kind of a, like, not denying characters certain actions. Yeah, the whole yes and being put into practice. You know, when you succeed on something as a character, the DM can give you a yes and. When you fail, you fail to pick the lock on the door, you give them a no but. And that is really important in terms of basically just not shutting characters down when they're in the middle of trying to do something. And it makes, you know, it keeps that narrative going forward. It doesn't make the player feel kind of shitty, like their character is inept. Yeah. You did. You were unsuccessful, but here's why, or here's this, or here's another element. Because the games that we like to play, we always like to keep the action moving forward. As soon as you say flat out no, that makes it so that either people have to figure out a puzzle, or they can't do anything, or things like that. Whenever I hear DMs, you know, doing that chortle guffaw, ha ha ha, I had another TPK. That hurts my tender little heart. Oh, yeah. And I think this is very kind of, core to D&D and there are some people that play for the the numbers and you know 
a TPK is just you didn't get high enough numbers. Yeah. But then there's a whole other group of players that are playing for the role-playing aspect. They're playing to feel something deep and rich stories and character growth and that kind of thing. And in that sense, a TPK is just a huge, huge no on like <laughs> the biggest, grandest scale is like everyone died. That is no. That is just no more adventure. Shut down. <laughs> and the threat of failure, of course, is what makes D&D interesting. So you can't take it out altogether. Too many successes and the party just is doing whatever, whenever. Oh, yeah. There's no there's no drama left yeah. if failure is taken out of the scenario. They're memorable and awesome. Like some of the greatest moments in my D&D games have been when somebody failed at something. So this episode is just about how to say no but in a story sense. In the biggest sense of a no but. But. No but. Let's go to the strategy stateroom. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Okay, so the first step to pulling off failure as a DM that drives the story forward is to plan for failure, but not just for failure. Plan for... (laughs) You want to be... I'm lost already. (laughs) Uh, Planning a a failure to plan is a plan to... Sure. uh, Prep and failure and plan. So get everything that we've said out of your head... (laughs) Strike that from the record. That sucked. (laughs) One of the biggest takeaways from our conversations about this topic was to let players succeed or fail based on their own decisions. Trying to figure out how to do that is really challenging. It's You're walking a pretty fine line when making sure that you give players agency enough that... When it result, when the consequences of their actions and the results are laid out and before them, they don't feel like they were just pushed in that direction, but that it was a decision that they made and that they have all of the agency in the world to arrive at their own conclusions. I think one of the best ways this came out in our home games was in this one pretty massive encounter that you had DM'd. And it's a pretty simple concept, but it just played out really well. There was a group of raiders that was coming into all of these farms in this area. And they were wiping out these farms one by one. All the survivors were going to this main central farm that was pretty well defended. And we, as the party, were going there to help however we could. With that, there was quite a large set-piece battle that ensued. And there was a farmhouse and all of the survivors huddled up in there. And of course, the raiders are attacking. Within there, the battle went in your favor. You mopped most of them up. Yeah, we did a pretty good job taking care of different groups. It was still using all of our resources. And we were we were kind of all over the place. We weren't all fighting as one unit because there was so many things happening. And that was really just to try to achieve a sense of awe and drama in that scene by having the wheat fields around the farm catch fire due to some of the things that the players did, having the farmhouse also catch fire as a result, protecting all of the surviving farmers in one central location while you were trying to hold off the attackers. Like, there was a lot going on within that combat. Yeah, and how it all culminated 
the epic moment that came out of that encounter was when one of the players in our games playing a character named Bellstare was a little bit farther out from the central point than every other character. And he saw the big bad guy, the leader of these bandits, fleeing the scene after we'd mopped up most of his crew. And he made the decision to go after him, to try and take him down. To run through a burning field, to chase after a gigantic, badass, orc clan leader through the burning fields to face off one-on-one because the rest of the party wasn't available. But he knew that that had to be done. He knew that that big bad had to be stopped. And so in a very dramatic final fight, Belstair battled and clashed with this orc leader in the midst of this chaos and fell as his friends were trying to reach him to back him up. And my character, Wibble, a tiny little deep gnome monk, was the first one to reach him. But at that point, he'd already failed two death saving throws. I did everything I could within that one turn. I was not able to stabilize him. And he rolled that third death saving throw. And that was the end of Bellstare. Died in the arms of Wibble very dramatically. Indeed. Now that was a pretty epic moment because of all the decisions that went led up to it. It would have really sucked butts if that orc leader would have just been invisible and popped up and grabbed Bellstare by the throat and twisted his neck and then ran off. That would have very much sucked. <laughs> that totally robs that player of feeling like there was more going on there, that this was a living world where anything could happen and that he chose to be there. So in order to let players succeed or fail based on all of their own decisions and to not feel like that death was directly influenced by me, the DM, or that I had predetermined that that would happen, we had to have a whole bunch of points where the players could have made a different choice. So in order to do that, we can break that down into a couple of relatively... straightforward steps. Granted, we're talking about somewhat of a manipulation tactic, but ultimately, there's a few steps that can facilitate this in happening into games. For me, it comes down to determining the actual success or failure conditions of what will change this narrative. So in this case, there are a few different options for the players. From their perspective, they have save the townspeople, they have kill all the bandits, they have save the farmhouse, they have a lot of different options. A lot is going on right now. So how do we make sure... Dig a hole and hide. Dig a hole and hide, gouge your own eyes out. The world is full of choices. (laughs) How How do you choose the right thing? Well, determining that success or failure condition is kind of that first step. And for me, when I was going into planning this set piece out... I had determined that if they were able to stop the leader, the attacks would stop. If they couldn't, then the leader would come back with a vengeance. Some way, somehow. Some way, somehow, this is going to come back up again. Like you didn't have an exact plan. You just knew that he'd be back. Sure. If the players had saved the townspeople... Sure, he was still out there to wreak havoc. So there was still lots more options narratively that you can go with 
either one of these end results. But either way, I know that that's where I'm going to draw my line. Stop the leader. Yeah. The next trick is to communicate this through narrative gameplay. Each one of the players has some concept of what they think the right thing is. Their own morality. Exactly. Their character choices. They're, they're looking at a lot of different options available to them. So this takes us back to the initial problem. How do we get them to succeed or fail on their own without making the choice just dead simple? Because that's not going to feel really empowering and impactful. That's not going to feel like my choice if I just said, the leader has to die. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. And there, there's no heroic decisions being made. I, the DM, have just made it explicit. Guess I'm going to go chase the leader. You don't have any choice as a player at this point. However, if I very subtly communicate the narrative decision that I've made as the condition, then I can not have to plan for the world of options that are available to me as a DM and the many different things that the players can do. But if I can settle on that one choice and then hint at that choice being important, being somewhat important to what happens next, well, then I can do a lot more with that. So I can communicate the danger or what happens if they don't succeed at stopping the leader. And I can communicate the goal or what happens if they do stop the leader. So kind of the the pros, cons to taking the subtle hints that I'm about to lay down. So an example would be uh, communicating the danger or the, the failure condition if they do not stop that leader Throughout this combat, I now know as a DM to plan out that the leader is going to have this opportunity to yell and he's going to be uh, vicious and violent and he's going to be more violent than the rest of the people that he has attacking this farmhouse. I know that I can really lean into that because, my goodness. You want some attention to be drawn to him. Yeah, he's a menace. He's... 10 times what anybody else is. Got 10 more biceps. (laughs) He's got biceps on biceps. (laughs) I can also plan to have one of the NPC farmers communicate that the other farms never stood a chance. My goodness, he just wiped through it. Oh, okay, wow. Destroyer of worlds. If I want to go a little bit even more heavy-handed with it, I can set a scene where the leader is telling one of his... uh, Cronies cronies to do something really heinous that maybe his crony doesn't want to do just a simple man that wants to go home to his own family and (laughs) feed them baked hams sure well at this point i can show through this small interaction through this fairly subtle interaction that it isn't the rest of his uh cohort that wants to do this terrible thing. They're just being led and that this one person, this leader is the linchpin to all of this mayhem. On the other side, I can communicate the goal or this, this win condition by showing another combat where the henchmen maybe give up a little bit easier. They don't fight quite as hard when they're not fighting near their leader, their boss. So they, they're kind of half-hearted in this whole thing. And Or maybe they have completely different goals. They're being told that 
the goal here is to raid the farm of, of its resources. Yeah, so maybe they're knocking farmers out yeah. when the boss isn't around. Or they're grabbing some of the grain or the, the wheat and throwing it onto a cart, and they seem to have this one goal, but the leader is bloodthirsty. He's killing everyone. Limbs without... are popping off <laughs> like Legos. So with each one of those examples, I've subtly hinted that it's not really whatever other idea that they have. So it's not about taking over the farm and owning the land. It's not necessarily about gathering resources. It seems to just be about killing with all of these different examples. Now we have the players. From the player's perspective, they have a couple of choices. They can choose to run after the bad guy. They can save the farm from being burned down, or they can save the townspeople, or a myriad of other things. But ultimately, because I've put forethought into the kind of hints that I'm going to lay down, I'm not hinting at any of the others as being a potential win condition, but I am heavily, heavily implying that the leader could be the one thing that stops all this mayhem. Yeah. As a player, I've got to figure out my own goal, probably trying to pay attention to what's happening in the world so that I can choose a goal that does the most good. But the reason that this gives me such choice is because Wibble is a pretty moral dude. So in that moment, well, while Bellstare was choosing to go after the boss, I was choosing to help somebody because I thought that would lead to the greater good in that moment. Exactly. You you chose, you made a character choice to save those people. And we had another character, Bellstare, who, based on his character, was very pragmatic. I don't care about this farm in particular, but there are a lot more that are going to suffer if I don't stop this leader. And now, when Bellstare runs in and has that dramatic final fight, he knew that he, A, died for a great cause. He knew he was doing what had to be done. And he's not going to come back on me as the DM saying, you forced me into this because he chose to go after the leader. I mean, he might be... Might be a little... <laughs> might be a little peeved for a few <laughs> minutes. But at the end of the day, he'll know what's up. Well, and it doesn't feel like it It was robbed yeah. of him. Like, he feels like this was his choice. He He ran in there, and all I did was present the options... All I'm saying is that when a character dies, it kills a part of your soul. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this whole thing from the player's perspective. If you're going into one of these scenarios where the DM is setting up all of these things, what's really going to help is a couple of key steps. Knowing the goal, your personal goal, before you go into it. Having some kind of plan with the rest of your party. Being ready to cut out and abort if you need to, and determining and being ready to determine the aftermath of whatever your personal character choices were made. So let's talk about each one of those. So knowing the goal, you were talking about uh, being Wibble and having a personal goal in that scenario. Yeah, basically, my morality was a little bit different, and I had decided to save the people before going for the big bad guy. Whereas Bellstare decided to go straight for the big bad guy because he knew he decided that that was the greater good. And that's what's so impactful about that to me is that every player and every character is still winning. 
they're still getting what they needed out of this typical scenario. Me as the DM, I've completely obscured the events that will unfold should you accomplish what I've determined to be the goal. But either way, none of the players realize this, but the players themselves, because they had a goal in this scenario, have all felt like they still succeeded in their personal goals. They've all contributed something from their own character's perspective. Well, yeah, there was there was no loss. There was no different conditions. You as a player have to determine what it is that you want to get out of that scenario. And as long as you are able to do that, even if it results in something bad, you still accomplish what your character's goal was. Or tried to. <laughs> or tried. Having a plan. This one's tough because players always just run into scenarios and never talk, right? <laughs> why, I mean, why plan? Chaos is so much more fun. It's good to have some cohesion before going into these scenarios. I mean, defend the farm was a loose plan. Yeah. I think as a player, it's really helpful to a DM if they get to see all of the players forming some kind of plan. If the players stick to it or they don't, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but what's so helpful about this is, A, it keeps all of the players on the same page and their characters on the same page. So they have a rough idea as to what is going to go down. However, as a DM, I can now listen to those plans and know exactly how to just kind of throw some speed bumps in the road to make that entire encounter more interesting. I would probably also throw the caveat on there that you can't be a dick DM and put a hard stop to anything, but you can introduce minor inconveniences. I believe in this scenario as that minor inconvenience, I had uh, I'm trying to remember this because this was a long time ago now, but I had a woman go into labor. Wow. Do you remember that? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, you just kept trying to introduce new complications. Yeah, there were, there were a few other complications and how you dealt with that was just more, <laughs> more goodies on the top of that <laughs> chaos Sunday. To give myself that choice as a player, I think I always need to know that my priority is probably going to be self-preservation unless I'm playing a character that is like super noble with that intent that I'll die for whatever I happen to believe in at the time. It sounds like you have really loose, a loose idea as to what your character, <laughs> whatever my idea was at the time. <laughs> I'll die for it. I'll die for it. Sure. The point is that usually there's some line at which you'll run away and live to fight another day. And that also is a way to continue the story. That's a super important point, is that having those goals, knowing what's important to your character, means that you can retreat and still succeed because you didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a death is not forward. It is a hard stop to that character, and a TPK is a hard stop to an entire story. So retreat is an option as a reminder. Some players need to hear this, I feel. Matt Colville actually said in his videos that I really loved was that when you're retreating, just retreat and have the rest of your party follow you. Don't try and get everyone on the same let's <laughs> retreat page because nobody, well, some people never want to retreat. 
some until people never get the hint. It's super clear that that's what's happening. You have to be the first one to run. Yeah. Because the rest of the players are waiting for somebody to go. And now you're just playing a game of chicken with <laughs> yeah. the dragon that's coming towards you. Nobody wants about to, to be kill. known in the future as the <laughs> most cowardly character. <laughs> but just run. It's better than being known as the dead character. <laughs> yeah. All right. So finally, there's that aftermath. What I feel is so powerful for players and failure, and this is why failure is good, because failure changes people. Makes interesting stories. I mean, if you think of any good story of any hero, it's full of failure and challenges, and overcoming those is the whole point. If you have a character that has those few traits, what you can do after your character does experience failure but does somehow survive. You have to survive in order to experience any growth. So remember to retreat. But you can look at one of those character traits and find out how this particular failure has impacted those traits. So for instance, loyal. If your character's trait is loyal, but you had to retreat. Does that change how they feel? Sure hope so. Especially if that character had to retreat without all of the party. I mean, if your core character trait is that you're just incredibly loyal, then your character is going to feel different when they had to retreat, but couldn't retreat while literally holding on to the arms of every party member. <laughs> that character might feel like they abandoned one or two of the party members because they said, no, I'm out and I'm going to grab the nearest player and I'm going to drag them with me because we got to get out of here. We're all going to die. Yeah. But if you left those other two players at the front lines and left it up to them to retreat, your character might feel like maybe they're being disloyal now and they might make a different decision in the next battle. Or there's an option there at least to create some kind of uh, character character defining moment to say, oh my God, I'm never going to. I'm never going to let that happen again. For sure. I mean, w with with Wibble, I'd say that one of his character traits was being cautious, generally. But that, after having Belstair go down and not being able to save him, he kind of turned into the one that ran in first because that meant that none of his friends were going to die if he was at the front. They'd he be would saving. die first. Yeah. Wasn't the most logical. You know, it didn't make tons of sense as far as the party's well-being went, but just based on his experiences. People's emotional decisions rarely make logical sense. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really cool character-defining moment and a change that you then applied to this character forevermore because of the experience of failure, of not being able to make it to your friend before they died. And again, that's a major milestone in Wibble's story, just like the fact that no Batman movie has ever just been him punching out bad guys and giving a wink at the camera <laughs> made it to the end and batman <laughs> never ex experienced any challenge this was the greatest batman movie of all time he's really on top of his game that batman take that bane <laughs> take that scarecrow i'm the good guy so to wrap this up the final point is going back to the dm side oh shit <laughs> why is that a bad thing <laughs> Because we were talking about me. Oh, Anyways, Yes, I'm a DM too. Back to the DM side. So if we go back to the DM side, we have how is the story affected? So at the very beginning, we were talking about that A or B choice. Did they accomplish the goal that you set? Or did they accomplish a different goal that meant more to them, but didn't actually 
nail the criteria of saying, hey, this determines how this story forks from here on. So let's say that they didn't capture the bad guy, which they didn't actually. You guys let him get away. Yeah, we sure did. Well, you were tending to your wounded and crying in the dirt. So now there is this severely wounded, bandless, bloodthirsty psycho running around these farmlands. That's going to have an impact. That'll probably take care of itself. And a failure can give just as much forward momentum as a success. In fact, potentially more. So yeah, you kill the bad guy, but now what? Now we need a new adventure. Yeah. But that failure means that now you have to deal with this threat. He's going to get bigger, stronger, badder. He's going to get spikes on his armor now. The bionic orc. He's going to get spikes in his eyes. (laughs) He's going to spike out your eyes with his eyes. Sounds like less of a threat now. (laughs) They call me spike eyes. The only real failure among these kinds of encounters is a TPK. That's the that's the ultimate failure. Unless. <laughs> Unless what? Your party wakes up in the nine hells. Ah, see, that's a continuation of a story. Sure. <laughs> True. But that's just it. And this is a little bit controversial among, I, I'd say, a lot of DMs. Well, I think it's just different playstyles. The playstyle we prefer goes in this direction. It says that a TPK is the end of the game. So why would you want to purposefully go there? Yeah. I've met a lot of DMs that kind of, I mean, they treat TPKs like they're notches on a belt. They're like, yeah, I've killed five parties. I'm not sure why you're proud of that. But granted, that is, again, my play style. Yeah. All that says to me is just that there was five games that were completely cut short and the narrative was ended. And then we had to start playing a new game. And then I had to, I had to do a whole bunch more work. <laughs> I've put all this work into the story. Let's continue it. Let's make sure that there's a way to keep going. I think the best kind of failure in a campaign is this kind of failure. I didn't meet this criteria, and now here's all of these repercussions. And it's just a really cool opportunity to invite a living, breathing world into your games. Because again, TPK doesn't lead anywhere, but world repercussions where townspeople are now talking about this this massacre that happened at a farm. And yes, the people were saved, but there's, uh, have you heard that there's this bloodthirsty orc that's roaming the hillsides, cutting down everybody that he sees? Now I'm feeling bad. Now Wibble's reconsidering his actions. The orc has been asking about and describing the people that cut him down. Uh Uh-oh, time for this, guys. (laughs) The characters are now having to react. This is kind of like if you have seen the very first episode of The Witcher, if you've played the games or seen this show, you know that Geralt of Rivia is known as the Butcher of Blaviken. And watch the first episode of The Witcher if you haven't already. But there was a character choice that granted him this terrible moniker that he has to now carry with him. And these stories are perpetuated by a choice that he made at some point. So that's some really cool... I love working in world repercussions to things that didn't go the player's way. Yeah. They don't affect the game in any serious negative capacity. I'm not giving anybody a minus to anything, but they just have to deal and live with these kind of repercussions. Maybe they're known far and wide. Maybe somebody references this in the tavern, not even directly to them or about them, but just says, did you hear about this? I feel that as a player. 
something big changed for the worse because you didn't stop evil or whatever it is. And maybe that's a character thing that you can now play out as Wibble to say, hey, I want to walk over to that table and tell him, you know what? No, I did do the right thing. I saved people that day and you weren't there. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. There's so many cool things that you can do in a role-playing sense once these world repercussions start taking a effect. So what's Wibble's nickname because he didn't stop the guy? The non-stopper of the bad band? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> you could be Wibble the tender-hearted. Wibble the soft-legged because they didn't run fast enough. <laughs> but ultimately... The, ba- the baker boy of farm town. <laughs> Jesus. Ultimately, this failure, even though it was technically a failure... It doesn't ever feel like one because the game continues on. All of the players had player agency. They all got to make the choices that they wanted to make. There were repercussions in the world. So there were there was no failure in the end. Just cool ass story where Wibble the Wobble-Footed continues to fight for justice. <laughs> <laughs> Lives to fight another day. Well, I hope that was helpful. That's the goal. That's the goal. This podcast aims to try to be helpful. Now, we certainly do appreciate you listening to this show. We hope that uh, it is helpful, in fact. And if you have any ideas as to what would help you more, you can always reach out to us. Uh, We love hearing about some of the challenges that you're facing or some of the cool successes that came of maybe listening to this podcast. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate all the support that you give us. Uh, Feel free to tell somebody and you'd be surprised we're not so mega rock star grandiose (laughs) in this podcast that we can't tell when somebody has shared something on twitter of about this show because you do you see the little spikes you see the blips and to us they're actually pretty huge (laughs) oh yeah that's nice uh it uh yeah it's really cool to see this podcast continue to grow with your support so uh feel free to keep it coming we sure appreciate it Thanks to Tabletop Audio for all the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, or Reddit. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and play fail great for games. fun. <laughs> it's fun, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I suppose if you do it right. That's why I mixed beer and bubbly. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>